the subject we're considering tonight is a very personal one. So this isn't um, me pointing a finger at anyone or, or being intrusive or rude. Uh, this is something for self-reflection. Just to take a moment, just to consider. Yes, we'll discuss more broad, broadly the issues around baptism, but then the, the challenge of the gospel um, becomes quite personal, and it's a personal challenge to each of us. And, and that's what we have opportunity to reflect on tonight. So... We're going to, to st the structure of our, of our thoughts tonight is just summarised there on the screen. Yeah, we'll, we'll briefly look at what baptism is and the importance that the scriptures base on baptism. Our thoughts are based on the scriptures. As, as Christadelphians, we base all our beliefs on the word of God. And we're going to then reflect on our response to that. And to help us, we'll look at a, a worked example we've We've read the one there together in Acts chapter 8, but we'll look at a couple of worked examples. We'll then just summarise some key reasons why we should be baptised and why it's a good thing to be baptised. And then we'll just reflect on this, this very personal aspect. What's stopping me from being baptised? And that's something for us to uh, just consider tonight. Don't think I'm saying in any way that the right age to be baptised is 18, 15, 35. You know, it's, it's not that sort of talk. It's a, it's a very personal talk for us individually to think about. But let's, let's start with that uh, first item. This aspect of what is baptism? Well, we, we read it, didn't we, there together in Acts chapter 8, if you read turn there with me. Acts chapter 8, and we see there um, a senior government official from the Ethiopian uh, government there. He was clearly, had adopted the Jew Jewish faith, had been up to Jerusalem to worship, but because of his situation as a eunuch and as an Ethiopian, he perhaps wouldn't have been able to fully participate in the worship at Jerusalem. And he's on his chariot on his way home, reading from the prophet Isaiah. Now, now it's interesting because as a senior government official, I'm sure there were others with him. And he would have had an ample water supply with him in the chariot. So, so it would have been possible for him to be sprinkled with water. Um, but no, he's passing through a, a very barren area. And yet he commanded for the chariot to stand still by this um, dirty desert wadi. And he is baptised. And it's evident there that he was fully immersed in water. They went together down into the water there in verse 38. He commands the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water and he baptised him. And that's what the, the Greek word there that's used in the original to describe baptism means to immerse or submerge. So, so this is what we learn from the 
the Bible, that, that actual Bible baptism is based on a full immersion in water. So that, that's quite simple then. That's what baptism is. Well, I'm suggesting that it, the Bible teaches it is important. Well, let's come back then to the Gospels. Let's come back to Matthew and chapter 3. Here we can read about Jesus's baptism. This is right at the start of his ministry. And we see that he comes to John the Baptist, who is baptizing people in the River Jordan. Again, it's a full immersion in water. So, so it just confirms, again, that picture or that understanding of what Bible baptism is. Let's come in at verse 13 of chapter 3 of Matthew. Jesus comes from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized. But John forbids him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Jesus answered, said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Okay, so a couple of really interesting things there that I wanted to just highlight. Jesus there, when he's, he's asked by John, look, why have you come to me for baptism? You are greater than me. You, you, he recognizes Jesus as the son of God, as the Messiah. And Jesus said, just... Just accept it for now, because, what does he say? Thus it becomes us to fulfil all righteousness. So, so, so Jesus is setting us an example, a pattern for us to follow. This is the way that we fulfil all righteousness. So, the, so that's things that please God. So, so that's important. And it's interesting that God specifically says that, doesn't he? Verse 17. God says, when Jesus is baptised, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So, so Jesus submitting to baptism at the start of his ministry, making this commitment, pleased God. So, so this is um, telling us that, that this is important. And it's interesting, Peter when he writes a letter later in the New Testament, he says, in the first letter that he writes in chapter 2, he says, Jesus has left us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. So, this is, <laughs> we're using one example, the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's sort of underlining for us, isn't it, in red ink, the importance of, of baptism, what it represents. And if we were in any doubt when our Lord had been crucified and he was then resurrected prior to his ascension to heaven, he, he gave his disciples instructions for the work that they should do when, when he had left them. And so he, it's very clear and it's spelt out there in Matthew chapter 28 on the screen where Jesus says, 
go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. Okay, so, so part of the gospel message that the disciples are entrusted to take forward after Jesus's ascension centers in yep teaching and word of God but then in this practice of baptism so clearly it's again an important thing that is being reinforced but really what's the significance of it going down into water and being submerged in water what does that represent and Paul quite helpfully explains for us if we can turn together please to the book of Romans the sixth chapter and the first three verses this is a chapter that um, spells out to us the importance of this commitment and the significance of this commitment for a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not just being dipped in water. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptised into Jesus Christ were baptised into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Okay. So we now see that actually this dipping in water has has got much greater significance. So this comes into a a section of the argument where Paul has been discussing how difficult it is to follow the commandments of the Lord Jesus Christ and how that he keeps failing despite his best efforts. But, But this emphasizes that At the start of our commitment as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we are baptised, what it represents. And as we understand the significance of what it represents, it has a real impact on us in terms of our discipleship. So when we are baptised, what what, what Paul is saying there, verses 3 and 4, that it's like a death We go down into the water and it's like a death to an old life. And when we come up out of the water, it's like a resurrection, or if you like, a new birth to a new life. And and so it's like a death to our old life and a birth to our new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that new life is to be given in service to God. Okay, So, so that's part of the picture. And the other part that's that's really crucial is that then this is the means by which we can associate ourselves with the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. 
And that's the means by which our sins can be forgiven and washed away. And so we start to really unwrap this idea of baptism and start to see all the different layers and the wonder of something that really is quite simple, isn't it? It's really quite um, a simple sort of action, but it's something that's that's really, really important. And, and that's, you know, the consistent message we're seeing spent, spelt out here in the New Testament. So then, let's just reinforce this last aspect. Okay. Why is it important for us to associate ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, I'm not going to ask you to turn up all these passages, um, but I will just briefly refer them to you, just so you can get a, an overall picture of, of this point. Okay. So it's, it's really important for us to be able to associate ourselves with the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ because, okay, the first point is Jesus was at the centre of God's plan from before creation and it's the means by which God provided for our sins to be forgiven. Okay, and so in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, he speaks about this and talks about how that we are saved through the, the sacrifice of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. So he, Jesus was in God's plan before creation. This is how important the work of the Lord Jesus Christ is. Okay. Now, Paul then in Ephesians spells out how that without the sacrifice of Jesus, we had no hope. It's like we were foreigners, like we didn't belong to the children of God. And so in Ephesians 2, he says, it's just like you were separated from Christ and that you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel no hope and without God in the world but now in Christ Jesus you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ okay. so, so we see now the importance of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ of the perfect life he lived and how that his sacrifice his death and his resurrection is the means by which our sins can be forgiven and we can come and approach God. We can have a part of the, the promises and the hope that's set out in the scriptures. Uh, and the beautiful picture that Paul presents in Romans 5 is that this is the way we can be justified or counted righteous and we can have peace with God. How? through our Lord Jesus Christ and through faith and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done and what he has accomplished for us. Okay, so, so that's, if you like, the briefest pen picture I can give. I hope it's helpful. 
uh, of why it's important for us to associate ourselves with the, the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. So, let's open our Bibles again. Let's turn now to Acts chapter 2. Let's think about our response. And that question, that very question, is asked in Acts chapter 2. And I find the New Testament really helpful in this context because these are disciples who were taught by Jesus. And what they're doing is they've now seen the risen Lord Jesus Christ and they're motivated to go and tell everyone else about him and his message and, and the hope of the kingdom. And so they are putting directly into practice what Jesus taught them. So if we want to understand what our response should be to the gospel message, what a great place for us to go to learn about these things. And so we see Peter preaching here in Acts chapter 2 in Jerusalem, the day of Pentecost. And we see that the people uh, understand suddenly what they have done in calling for Jesus's crucifixion. And so they say to Peter, verse 37, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart or cut to their heart, and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Okay. <laughs> and so this is the question, what is our response? And Peter's very, very clear. He said, look, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission or the forgiveness of your sins. So that's why they were to be baptised. And it's interesting, isn't it, that verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptised. So, so it's, a, it's a natural response to somebody that understands the gospel message what do we do well you need to repent so that's to seek forgiveness to turn around in our lives and to be baptized into the saving name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of sins and we see that that is directly linked to receiving and understanding the word of god so it's a response to that quite interesting to see these little details that are presented to us and the way it works through. Well, let's come forward a few chapters to the example that we read together. I find this a really powerful um, story that's presented to us. Um, we've already referred to this, we've explained the bit of the context this senior government official from Ethiopia who's traveled to worship at Jerusalem but he clearly had no understanding of um, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and so we see that Philip is sent by God to speak to him about this 
Okay, so we come in at verse 30. And we see Philip runs thither to him and hears that he's reading Isaiah the prophet. And he asks him, uh, do you understand what you are reading? And he says, verse 31, how can I except someone should guide me? And so he asks Philip to come up and to sit with him and to do that. And we see that from verse 32, he's reading a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb done before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So that's what he has read. And so Philip, verse 35, starts to teach him and explain these things. It's not complicated, very simple. And actually, we could spend an evening just going back to Isaiah 53 and doing that. And I've heard that as a talk on a Sunday evening at a Christadelphian hall. And it really is a powerful thing to do. Okay, And we see that the work of the Lord Jesus and the significance of it was prophesied. And exactly the, the wonderful hope of the gospel in chapter 55. Then in chapter 56, a special message for eunuchs and for foreigners. <laughs> it really is very personal to this Ethiopian. And, and he must have marveled as the gospel was open to him. And so what's the response of the Ethiopian, verse 36, this eunuch? We don't know his name, do we? Look, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? What's, what's stopping me from being baptized? I, I need to be baptized. I need to associate myself with the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a commandment of Christ. I need to do this. So, so it's interesting, isn't it? There's a sense of urgency. He understands this. And Philip, verse 37, he, he doesn't just baptize him. What does he do? Well, he said, do you believe all, with all your heart, you know, these things? It was clear to Philip from the discussion that he'd had that he had a really good understanding. And he answered, said, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. That's fascinating, isn't it? At the start of the, the section there, he had no appreciation of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Once he did, he saw the need for baptism. So he confesses his faith. And we see verse 38, we've already read. He was baptised and he goes down into the water and is baptised. What a, what a really um, helpful, straightforward example of baptism in action. But, but it's interesting, isn't it? The urgency there. There's water here. What's stopping me from being baptised? And really, it's a choice. It's a decision. What's urgent about it? Well, on the one hand, we can ignore the gospel message. We can turn away and say, well, it's, it's not for me. And we can seek to enjoy everything that this world offers. Now, if I'd given this talk maybe even four months ago, five months ago, you would have thought about all the different things you could enjoy and do 
Well, clearly at the moment, there aren't many, are there? Um, maybe you can go out for an afternoon in the garden <laughs> or for a change, you can go and sit in the lounge. Um, but, but the simple point is, on, on one hand, we can live this life out and enjoy everything that it offers, but ultimately we will end up in the grave. Or we can choose life. We can embrace the gospel message and then we've got a hope of a place in God's kingdom, which is going to be established on the earth. Uh, and that's a choice we make. Okay, so it's, it's interesting. It's a decision. It's a challenge. So, so as we come to know the gospel message, baptism, yes, is a logical response, but it's also a challenge to us. It's asking us a question. So, reasons to be baptised, and I could leave a branch screen there for you, and you could think about some of the points I've raised and start to list them down. I find it really compelling. Um, there you are. There's some for starters. It's interesting if you take that away afterwards and just try it yourself and see what reasons you list down. I've just thought there about Jesus' example. It's a commandment from Jesus. It's the means by which our sins can be forgiven. It's a way of associating ourselves with the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. He's dying to our old life. It's being born again to a new life in Christ. It's a means by which we can have peace with God. This is almighty God, the creator of the universe. We can have peace with God, and then we can have a hope of a place in God's kingdom. Maybe more that you could add to that list, but I find that really a compelling list to think of reasons to be baptized. Okay. So then, and, and this is where it gets really personal, and this is just to reflect on that. And I'm not, as I said earlier, I'm not wagging my finger at anyone. I'm just reflecting on reasons why you may be uh, stopping or not being baptised. And it's something that I've discussed with the youth club at Sale, and we've sort of brainstormed it and thought about this. And these were some of the ideas that came up. And I suppose the first one is, you know, the idea that they just don't get round to it. Or perhaps get distracted with other things. So it's not seen as that immediate challenge. It's not seen as that immediate question which the gospel is asking us, which Jesus is asking us. And so... Okay, well, I need to concentrate on my exams. Or when I'm married, when I'm settled, or when I've, I've, I'm just finishing these exams and, and getting that job. So, so when I'm settled in that employment, then yes, I'll, I'll take my time and I'll research it properly. And I'll. Or could it be that other things are just crowding it out? You know, we're so busy 
with so many different things. It's just not there on the table in front of us because other things are forcing their way in. Well, perhaps this current lockdown just gives us opportunity to reflect on our priorities. God works in different ways to challenge us and sometimes to ask us these questions. Let's come back to the, uh, the, Oliver, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, back in Matthew chapter 6. As we think about this question of priorities. And the context here is the idea of worrying about things that we're having to face in the world. And it could be exams, relationships, jobs, and different things. But, you know, verse 25, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or drink, yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Okay, so it's, a, it's someone who's really worried about things. Really important things, these things. You know, these aren't small things. These are really quite important things. And Jesus goes on, verse 28. Look, think about clothing. Okay, you're worried about clothing. Well, well, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Don't worry about those things, Jesus says. But, really important word there at the start of verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So what Jesus is saying is, look, make this the priority in your life. Putting your relationship right with God. Seeking first a place in God's kingdom. Make that the priority in your life. Yes, those other decisions need to be made, but they can follow on afterwards. So, so what Jesus is saying is get your relationship right with God first. And then sort the other stuff out. And I find that a really helpful challenge, a really helpful context. Because there are some really worrying things that Jesus lists down here. Things here that perhaps didn't worry us two months ago, three months ago, but actually now are suddenly really quite difficult. And the reassurance is, look, if you put God first, then God will provide not necessarily everything we want, but what we need. God will watch over us. God will care for us. And that is a wonderfully reassuring message, but it's also a challenge. Get our priorities right. Just something to reflect on. Okay. Well, we don't know enough. Okay. Um, there's an exam to be passed, an, an interview. Um, is it like an O level or an A level? 
well, no, it's not. It's not like that at all. And I'm fortunate enough to baptize a, a whole number of people, uh, interview a whole number of people for baptism. And that's one of the points I, I always start off with. It's not an exam. It's a discussion. It's an opportunity for someone like the Ethiopian eunuch to give a witness for their faith. And what we are trying to understand, which is exactly what Philip was trying to understand there in Acts 8, was do you understand the commitment you're making? Do you understand the principles of the gospel? Do you understand the significance of what you are doing and the reasons for why you are doing what you are doing? Okay. So is, is there a set academic knowledge level? Well, no, there isn't. We, we want to ensure that you have good foundations and you have a, a basis on which to build a life in the truth. But each of us are different. Let's come back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this is my challenge to you, that there's no set level of lack of, uh, of academic understanding that, okay, he's got 51%. Yes, he can be baptised now. It doesn't work like that. Um, it's about, as I've said, ensuring that you've got an understanding of the principles of the gospel and the commitment you're making, okay? And the basis for your faith. Now, the challenge back to you, <laughs> so one way is to say, well, I don't know enough, which, okay, so, so what are you doing about it? <laughs> it's easy to sit back and say, well, I don't know enough. But there's things you can do. Okay, and, and Deuteronomy 6 really sets out a, a really structured, helpful way and an approach to adopt to actually search these things out. Let's just read it together. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way when thou liest down, when thou risest up, when thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Okay? So read the word of God. It's very, very simple. And do what the Ethiopian eunuch did. Yeah? Philip came alongside and he said, look, I don't understand it. Can you help me? Okay. And there's lots at the, the meeting there in Nottingham who'd be delighted to just spend time with you. Just spend time quietly exploring one-on-one -on -one the wonder of the gospel message and the significance of it and the importance. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful thing, but as the idea that we don't know enough it could be correct <laughs> but, but let's do something about it and let's do it together let's quietly do it together and seek to build each other up and explore these things and ask the questions we want you 
to be in a position to develop your own faith and ask the questions and to really search things out, to be sure for yourself. Because it's a big commitment. But it's, it's something that you can do something about. We have that lovely verse there from Psalm 19, which quite helps. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Okay? You haven't got to have a, an A-level or a degree to be baptised. Not at all. Okay? This is the wonder of the gospel message. Beautiful, isn't it? Make us wise unto salvation is a phrase that Paul uses in the New Testament. Okay, this is the wonder of the word of God. Okay, this is a really interesting one, this next one. We aren't good enough. Okay, and let's come to Romans chapter 7, please. So, You've talked about the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, I have. And we've seen that Peter says that we've got to follow in his footsteps. Yeah. Well, that bar, that standard is set so high. I, I can't get there. I can't live up to that standard. I think we'd all say yes to that. That's us. And then we say, well, I keep making the same mistakes. I keep falling down on these issues. I, I'm no good. Okay, and it's really interesting to read what Paul discusses here in Romans 7, because it's exactly the issue that Paul struggled with, verse 18. And I'm going to read this from a, a modern version, because I think it just helps, the English helps a bit more. For, for I know that, verse 18, that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now this I find quite helpful because this, is, this isn't Paul saying I, I live a godless life, but he's saying Paul acknowledging his own weaknesses and failings. And if you like, he was an apostle to the gospel message. Verse 22. I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Okay. We aren't good enough. Paul wasn't good enough. None of us are good enough. Verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with the flesh, I serve the law of sin. So Paul acknowledges, look, without the sacrifice of Christ and being able to associate myself with the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah, I wouldn't be good enough. I would be without hope. But that's why I do need baptism. I need baptism because I am not good enough. Okay, that's the wonder of it. Clearly, 
we then seek to more closely encourage each other to walk closer to the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have this re reassurance, and it comes in John's letter. He says, look, if you're walking in the light of God's word and making that commitment in your life to try to, to serve God, then your sins can be forgiven you. Okay, so this is someone who's trying to do the right thing, but still sinning and making mistakes. But, but his sins can be forgiven. It's a very different, big difference to that person and the person who says, look, I can't do it. I'm going off and I'm going to enjoy everything, all the pleasures that the world can offer. Well, that's what John in his letter describes as walking in darkness. And no, there's no forgiveness for that. But if we're committing to trying to walk in the light, then yes, there is. And it's a means by which that through our association with the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be counted as righteous. Yeah, that's wonderful. This is what Jesus' sacrifice and baptism can accomplish. So, where, where does this leave us then? We know the gospel message, perhaps. Yeah, we've seen tonight quite clearly we are commanded to be baptised. Well, we don't know quite when is the right time to be baptised. Yeah, and when is that right time? Well, it's a very individual thing. I can't answer that for you. I know of someone. I mean, I was baptised at 15. I know someone who was baptised at 14. But I also know someone who was baptised when he was in his early 80s. Okay, so, so is there a set age, a set point in your life, the right time to be baptised? Well, it's not something to be rushed. You're quite right. It's something to be considered very carefully. It is a big decision. Okay, It's, it's a decision. It is for life. So it's not something to be rushed at or just jumped in. It's not just something that we do on a whim. But let's just conclude with the urgency of this. Let's, let's come back to that passage in Isaiah that I'm sure that the Ethiopian eunuch would have read together with um, Philip there in the chariot as he was journeying. This is some of the things Philip would have explored with him. And we'll conclude with these thoughts. So, so Isaiah 55, and it's a beautiful summary of the gospel message. Verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsts, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, yea, come ye, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labour for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good. Let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, verse 6. Call ye upon him while he is near. 
So this is the urgency. You've got an opportunity. Take it. You don't know how long your life will be. You don't know when Christ will return. You have an opportunity today. What is stopping you from being baptised? The same question the Ethiopian eunuch asked. So verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. This is the wonder of God's mercy and what's possible through our association with the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ and through baptism. God, he will have mercy upon us and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Isn't that beautiful? This is the hope of the gospel message or what's spoken of there in verse 3 is the sure mercies of David. This is the kingdom of God okay, that's being spoken of. This is God's promise to us that we can have a part of if we embrace the challenge of the gospel and respond. So it's something wonderful that we've explored tonight. Um, but it is also it's something, something very personal. And it is interesting to go round at the Ecclesia and to ask that question and to answer it. You know, why were you baptised? For me, at the age of 15, yeah, I realised there was a lot more that I didn't know. But I knew from attending Sunday school, going to the youth club and listening to the Sunday talks, I had an understanding of the gospel. And... I knew I had to put it right with God. That was the important thing for me. And it's a wonderful opportunity that we've been presented with and that we've been able to discuss tonight. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.